Well, good morning, everyone here at FBC. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Peter Nittler, and I am the college pastor here, and I'm going to be chatting with you as you're walking in just to welcome you to this service. We do this every year. It's one of the great services of the year. Senior Sunday is today. How about a little round of applause? Yeah. All right. And uh, it's easy to think that this is a service where we sort of stop and and celebrate the seniors and the graduating people as they are going on to the next step. And it's sort of for them. And I think it's true. We get to celebrate them. And I hope you all who are sitting right here uh, feeling deeply encouraged and deeply loved and, and that you feel the enormity of how much the church cares for you. But at the same time, I think this is also a service for the church to uh, to remind us of who we are kind of thing. So. Um, I hope that you all are encouraged, just as uh, we hope the seniors are. And uh, we're going to get started here, pretty much right now. And I'm going to invite up our first graduating person or, uh, to, to, to come up and pray for the service. So why don't you welcome up Erin Lacey with me, and she will pray, get the service going. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, I would like to first just thank you for all you've done in all of our lives, all of the seniors' lives. Um, and thank you for giving us the opportunity of education and the opportunity to learn so much um, over so many years of hard work. And I pray that as we move into the next stages of our lives, um, you give us the wisdom to know how to use what we've learned and how to know how to keep learning. Um, in your name, I pray that all of these seniors go out into the world and do great things. Amen. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jeff Hodges. I am the youth pastor here at FBC. Uh, I'm excited to introduce this next part. I'm just kicking balloons around. Uh, we are going to step into a time of some testimonies from some of our students. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, to hear their stories and hear what God's been doing uh, in their life recently and their time in school. Uh, our first testimony uh, is kind of special. She is a college life student, but also uh, she is one of our senior girl leaders for Lighthouse. So she's kind of a double senior dip here. Uh, so if you guys would give a warm welcome to Amelia Biscarni. All right, I'm just gonna start off by saying this feels weird because I was up here when I graduated high school, sharing a testimony. So coming back again, I'm like, ooh, deja vu, indeed. All right, I remember sharing my testimony up here, and at the time, if you would have asked me if I would still be in Davis and loving the fact that I was still in Davis, I really would not have believed you, like genuinely. I would be like, what? I'm so sick of this town. <laughs> but God really knows what he's doing. Um, and recently graduated, Amelia did not. Um, college life, in my mind, was not optional. Um, my mom had done college life, uh, I was a part of FBC, and Peter knew who I was, and he knew I was around. So like, optional? No, I'm going. <laughs> and I remember the first message that um, Peter shared at college life. It's his classic welcome to college life. And one of the central points is, here in col at college, you are going to make the best friends of your life. I brushed that off completely. I was like, I'm not supposed to stay around here. I'm supposed to be in Davis for two years and then transfer to Chico State, and that's where I'm gonna find the best friends of my life. Yeah, spoiler alert, um, that's not how it worked. And God just completely and utterly derailed my plans. Um, and going into college with the mindset that I wasn't gonna stick 
stick around for long took a while to undo. Um, and one of the things that helped with that was freshman retreat. Um, you get all these students in a room together and we share our life stories. And we share heartbreak, we share hurt, we share moments of hope that make us who we are. Um, and I remember sitting around there thinking, okay, it's time to actually be a part of this community. Um, before retreat, I was doing my own thing. I was going to Tuesday nights and I was going to church. I hadn't really made this my community yet. Um, and one of the things that I started going to was stargazing. <laughs> I, and it was there under the stars, curled up under blankets in my friend Julie's truck bed, that I really truly started feeling comfortable with this community. Um, I started feeling like for the first time in, the while, in a while I was seen by these people. And that is something that was so special and important to me. Um, and I had been praying a prayer for about six or seven years, asking God for just, just one friend that had a strong faith to impress and encourage me with my own faith, someone I could look up to. Um, but college life, I didn't find one friend. I found a, a giant community full of Jesus lovers, a bunch of imperfect humans that didn't quite know exactly what we were doing, but we all wanted to be the image of God together, even if that meant something ridiculous. Um, and one night under those stars freshman year, um, it was it was pretty a typical stargazing. Uh, weird video shared, um, random stories, nothing crazy unusual. Um, but I remember leaving um, knowing that we wouldn't see each other until the next fall and just thinking, these are my people. Um, it's such a feeling of calm and certainty. Um, and I had a year and a little bit of change of that and then COVID hit. Um, and COVID sucked. <laughs> just plain and simple. Zoom growth groups, which is our version of small groups, not fun at all. Not fun at all. Like it's this, it, like it's, it works, but I, my, most of my friends were hours away. I had no opportunity to hug them or see their faces or anything like that. And that was so unbelievably hard. Um, I remember specifically at a Zoom Halloween event, um, I had just been diagnosed with anxiety and depression by a therapist, and I was a mess. But I remember just, I, I, I put on a good face and I went to the event. I apparently, I, I re, I, apparently I won the costume contest or something like that. Um, but the moment I logged off, I just burst into tears because my people weren't here. I was here in the house that I had been in my whole life, and my people weren't here. Um, and in those times of exceedingly dark darkness, God really blessed me with some amazing people. Um, people who would just FaceTime and listen to me and talk with me. People like Julie and Emily who just loved on me no matter what I was going through. Um, and people like Bronwyn to just talk me through life and all of that fun stuff. Of all the relationship hardships, all the mess. And this community really truly has blessed me. Um, and going forward, I have no idea what's going to happen. For the first time since I was 18, I'm not going to be leading anything. <laughs> it feels weird. I've watched, been watching my Lighthouse Girls since eighth grade, for their eighth grade year, and I've watched them grow and flourish, and it's beautiful. But And I've watched these college-life young women and gentlemen that have just done so well and come so far. And for the first time in a long time, I'm not going to be leading. Um, and it feels weird. And I think a lot of us feel that. We, we're starting these new journeys of our life. Um, we don't have any idea what God has in plan for us. Um, 
we have plans and hopes for our future, but we don't know what it's actually going to look like. Um, but I do know this, that God is good. And even, even though I was supposed to leave this town and never come back, God's plans are so much better than mine were. And I am so glad that I have got to make the best friends of my life. Thank you. Well, I do not get an introduction, so I'm introducing myself. <laughs> um, hello, uh, my name is Timothy McGenny, and I want to say thank you to FBC for giving me a second home church. Um, a home away from home, or a church away from church, I guess. Um, I would not be the man I am today without all of your prayers and support. So God has been good to me in college. It started for me the first few days of freshman year. I remember walking by the MU tables and being kindly approached by College Life members, meeting Peter Nittler uh, and talking to him as well as other members for there for about an hour. These were the first people I'd met from college and College Life, and they were so hospitable and interested in getting to know me, and that's how I got plugged into College Life and FBC. No church hopping or fellowship hopping, I immediately found the Jesus-centered family I was looking for. And since then, the ministries and people of FBC have encouraged my walk with God and helped me grow in both my spiritual knowledge and also my relationship with Jesus. Some people have influenced me directly, uh, such as members like Neil Redenbaugh, Peter Nittler, the Sutherlands, the Lees, Stanford, and so many more. There are also members of this church who continually prayed for me, directly who I have probably never met, but I know that this church congregation prays for the college group and has blessed me indirectly through the power of the Spirit. Now, I'd like to say that I'm a pretty humble guy, <laughs> as you can tell. And uh, FPC has this church mission statement. It says to be a community that helps others discover faith in Jesus, grow in love for God and others, and live as ambassadors of hope by the power of the Spirit. And I think I feel like I am living proof that that mission statement is working. See, I already knew Jesus before I came to college, but FBC helped me to foster a deeper relationship with him. Because I was plugged into this church and its ministries, I was, I was able to help Neil uh, lead the junior and senior guys during my sophomore year of college serving in Lighthouse. We would go over to Stephen Shikoski's house read some of the Bible, pray for one another, and then do something that bonds men and forms brotherly relationships. Play some Call of Duty in a free-for-all battle. <laughs> in all seriousness, though, I formed the relationships with each one of these guys, and I love them dearly. They will always hold a fond memory in my heart. I was then able to join the leadership team of College Life called The Twelve, working alongside Peter and Maddie and leading the freshman classes for the past two years. COVID kind of threw a wrench and seeing the freshmen in person, but with Zoom University capabilities, I was able to see them on my screen, changing backgrounds and reading Paul's letters in the virtual Bahamas. Nice weather. Now that this year was in person again, I was able to read the Gospels with the freshmen every single Wednesday. And I was able to give my first sermon at College Life Large Group with the help of Peter and close friends revising my talk and then me giving it. FBC, because of the community you have here, you enabled me to create flourishing relationships. 
You continuously pour out agape love that has no boundaries or discrimination and have helped me strengthen my relationship with Jesus. So much so that I will now be pursuing my master's in divinity at Fuller's at Fuller Seminary, Theological Seminary, come this fall. What an amazing community you have been and are and will continue to be for so many years to come. Thank you from the bottom of my heart and may the Lord bless your endeavors as you continue to spread hope and love into this world. Thank you. All right, so this next segment was supposed to be me thanking the church for everything you do for these students, but they just did that. Uh, So you heard it from them. They are so grateful for all that you guys do, uh, whether it's financially supporting them, sending them encouraging texts, uh, being ag families, um, just talking to them, uh, introducing yourself to them. Maybe you lead a small group uh, for them, uh, especially our lighthouse leaders that are here leading the small groups. Uh, for our high school and junior hires, uh, but we just wanted to take a minute and give you guys a round of applause for all that you do uh, for everything for these high school and college graduates. So with that being said, we're going to transition to our next segment, uh, and we're going to have Claire Barrett come up and read our scripture for the morning. Come on up, Claire. Uh, I'm going to be reading Genesis 1, 26 to 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. All right, well, we have come to the point in the service where we're going to get to hear um, a short little sermon from one of our, one of our students. And um, you may or may not know that uh, in college life every other year, we've had this practice for, um, I don't know, maybe close to a decade of every other year training people who are interested, Stanford and I do this, of training people who are interested how to uh, maybe preach a sermon. And so Senior Sunday has been sort of this flow of students who have been sort of have gone through this and gotten some reps, and, and this is another chance for them to, to preach a, a sermon to, to a congregation, and this time to the church. And so uh, the, the person will be speaking this morning, you met him, he's the tall one who, who moved the, the microphone up, his name's Nick Laddig, and I uh, just want to tell you a little bit about him before, uh, before he comes up. 
And as he said, he's graduating with mechanical engineering and parlayed his commitment to this church and relationship with Christian Wingate into a job next year. So that's great news for him. And, uh, and I still remember Tim actually mentioned this, that when we, his first time at, uh, on campus, we're meeting at the tables and he said, kindly, um, greeted, he was kindly greeted by, by college lifers. It's more like a, a deep, warm accosting of, um, of, of love is, is what we, ha- what we do, um, for the students on, um, on, on, in welcome week. And, and I remember that Nick and Tim came together and I think we did talk for about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And we talked about everything. We talked about sports. We talked about the great city of Escalon. And, uh, we, and I remember thinking at the end of that conversation, if God is going to bless us, I'm sh- I sure think it's going to be these two guys being in our ministry. And, um, and just for, for Nick's sake, you know, to, to think about what he's done in his time with College Life. He has been a growth group leader. He has been an MC. He's been on the worship team. He's been the retreat coordinator. I mean, he's basically had his hands in every single part of the ministry. In other words, we're looking for a replacement for Nick next year, okay? We, we got nothing, okay? So uh, it'll be a paid position next year. Um, but uh, I, so I'm so excited to, to get to have him come up here and, and to speak these words and, and for you to get to know him if you, if you don't know him yet. And just one little thing to say, um, there was a couple times throughout these last two years when someone would tell me, I'd ask, hey, how was your weekend? And maybe it was Kyle, okay? Maybe, Kyle, how's your weekend? And he'd say, it was great. Nick came over and just cooked us a bunch of tri-tip. And Nick is the kind of guy who's just going to purchase dinner, come over to your apartment, and, and make it for you. He's not going to do the dishes, but he will, he will make the dinner for you. And he's just got a generous heart and a warm heart, and, uh, and he's going to speak for us. So, Nick, why don't you come on up and tell us what you got? Yeah, I'm just going to say, if I spend, like, a, two hours making you food in your place that... You could do dishes. <laughs> All right. Um, let me figure this out. All right. So, well, several third time now. My name is Nick, and I would like to share with you a small story about my childhood. Around the age of ten, my parents bought their current house, which was a enormous deal for us kids. See, up until this point. Uh, this, uh, up to this house, I've always shared a room with at least one of my two brothers, and when my sister came along, we were all shut into one room, which, for eight years, I was in the same room as a sibling, which is a good thing for bonding, but it could get a little bit nasty when one of your, that's, you have to sleep in the same room as a sibling to just slam your fingers in a door, but, which happened more than it should have. It's a little toxic. So when my parents bought this house in Escalon, it was a big deal because I received the one thing that I longed for most, it was my own space. This room was a whole new level of freedom for me. I could do whatever I wanted with it and because it was just me in there and I had to consult an older or younger sibling. And you know what the middle school me did with this freedom? I decorated it like a middle school boy. <laughs> now. Disclaimer, I've always been what you call a logical person. I've ne- never had a designer's eye. This is what my room looked like, looks like now, but basically has been the same for 11 years now. It's been, you can see that it has queen-size bed, gray walls, black desk, giant black giant's flag in the corner, and, some other, and hats. You can, if you actually go around... The other side of this bowl, you'll see like spots for like 40 hats on the wall. <laughs> Nothing special. 
it does not look pretty because it, but I love it because it was always hot, cold in the hot valley summers. It was comfortable and it was my own. I see my room's value and its functionality as a place to live, even though it looks like a cave. It is in some ways a reflection of myself. But you know who else lived in a cave? Batman. <laughs> Just saying. So, as a soon-to-be college graduate, I've been asked a few times already what I value most about my time in undergraduate, undergraduate studies. That question is vague enough for me to take in several different routes, but I immediately think of the one thing that afforded me the most. The idea of the Imago Day that I was introduced to as a concept my freshman year in college. It is the Christian belief that humans are created in the likeness of God and therefore receive fragments of God's qualities and authority. Learning this made me think about myself and others in a new light, that in some way the best parts of me and the others around me somehow are part, in, part of and connected to this mysterious mirroring of God's character. As I looked at the best of me and looked back to the character of God, I began to see some cool overlap. You know what I realized? God's an engineer. <laughs> now I can reinforce this by looking at the creation, uh, st creation story in Genesis, starting at chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. And there was evening, then there was morning, the first day. Now pause here. God just created light. Light is the solution to darkness. Light is tangible, it is both a particle and a wave. It interacts with objects and reflects and absorbs different wavelengths that which our eyes perceive as colors. Light is fast, bright, has different intensities, and can come from any number of sources. And God made light with all that in mind to create the medium in which we see existence. That's science and creative problem solving. Engineering. Let's continue. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, there was morning, the second day. Now, have you ever wondered just why the sky and sea are separated in the first place? Neither have I, but it seems like an odd thing to think about, but I thought it as I read this. And this is why I think of it. What God does on this day is characterize the effects of weight and mass. Confused? Let me put it another way. Air weighs less than water, right? This means when you have air and water, the air will always rise up to the surface to escape the liquid, and the water stays put and fills the space that the air took. If you put two and two together, you can see that this passage tells the story of how God created gravity. I'll bet you never thought of that, unless your name is probably Stanford. <laughs> this is all pretty cool stuff if you share my interest in physics and engineering, but it doesn't apply to everyone. Some of you are confused. Some of you do not see the interesting aspect of what I'm geeking out on. And you artists out there are saying to yourself, that's not what's cool about Genesis 1. You're ignoring all the beauty when God creates nature and creation by creating animals, beaches, mountains, sunsets, so many other beautiful, beautiful things. I need water. <laughs> to that end, I remind you of my room. 
Remember, the barren, cold of a place to live. Boring stuff is who I am. You may not like my room because it's ugly. And if that's the case, you're actually in good company. When my fiance, Julie, comes over to visit my home in Esquan, she sleeps in my room while I take the couch. And she has told me several times that she does not like my room. <laughs> she, she cannot get over the gloomy setting that my room creates, even though it is sub-68 degrees in a triple-digit summer. And I'm sure that there are some of you who agree with her statement, sentiment, but I still think you're wrong. Because on the other hand, there are, not, there are some things about her apartment that confuse me. One look in there and you'll see how beautifully decorated it is with, with her living room is, with all the awesome artwork and photography, the nice color-coordinated couch, the cool secretary desk with the hutch with all the apple plates from some relative. And many, 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 many plants. So many plants that they're growing on the walls. But she assures me that they don't have to be there, they're just nicer that way. But can you answer me this one question? Just one. What's with the TV? <laughs> like, it, I don't understand why the TV stands right there on the, on the counter in a weird, awkward spot where you have to like sit on the couch and like look at the angle that like kind of cranes your neck. Like when she could just, move the furniture to accommodate the TV. Yeah. Well, this is because we see things in a different eye. An artist, she sees things in an artist and a designer's eye, while I think logically, logically like an engineer. But when she reads when God first created light, she will reflect on how light brings the ability to see, how light brings beauty to experience creation, and how light affects the landscape as it shines through the clouds, through the treatise rites, and how beautiful, that, so beautiful that is that we have to stop the car and take a picture of it. Light also affects her mood. If she's in a dark room, she gets gloomy. I also make the joke that she loves plants so much that she herself is a plant and needs light to be happy. <laughs> to me, God's an engineer, but to Julie, she would probably describe God as an artist because she herself is an artist and a designer not a logical-based engineer like myself. So which of us embodies the Imago Dei more? The answer is both. The point of the Imago Dei is to describe humans as being of God, not of humanity. Humanity as a collective group holds the qualities of God so that he has given us as people made in his image. And some people can claim the point that God is giving us his image so that we can reflect his character to the world. Well, Julie and I express different aspects of the divine image of the God, but together we are an ever more accurate reflection of God's character. It's pretty cool, right? But what exactly do we do with this? God gives us creator qualities so we can become participants in him with creation. In verse 26, he says, Then God said, Let, ma let us make mankind in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. It's given to verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply it, and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish in the sea, and over the birds in the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God created us to participate in creation. Going back to the preaching class that Peter mentioned before, if I were to take one thing at all from that class, 
that Stanford taught. It's that sermons need graphs. And so, let me kind of explain this with a graph. <laughs> this is a stress-strain curve. It is the result of a tensile test, which in layman's terms is taking a sample of material and pulling it while measuring the force of a stretch until it breaks. The data that we get from this ranks different building materials against each other so that we can choose the right material for the job. God puts us on top of the food chain because we are the only ones who can perceive his vision. It is why he created us, to understand the value behind every green forest, every fish in the sea, and every living child. God cares, tells us that caring for the world looks like spreading shalom through the world in service of the image of God. Let me put this in another, let me put this in another example. These, the stress-strength curve gives us Stretching curve gives us, uh, allows us, sorry. The stretching curves gives us qualities, gives us data that is used to, to rank materials that we use to build projects. So we can choose the right material for the right job. These qualities are used to solve problems to improve living. For example, the body seat of a car for a baby. The structure of the seat is made of hard plastic and it holds, so it holds its form and is strong enough to hold a 50 to 80 pound child securely. Metal will do the exact same thing, but it's heavier to carry and not as safe for a child if the driver gets into an accident because of its hardness and rigidity. These choices are made possible because of the stretch strength curve, because we are able to create inside creation and find stuff like that. Characterizing God's creation like this is one of the very small ways that humans can fulfill the Imago Dei. This is what God wants for us, to take part in his creation by interacting with it, stewarding it, admiring it, and preserving it. So for the people of honor today, all of us taking the next step, what do we take from all of this? First, all of us graduating peoples have a very important decision to make. Whether you're graduating high school or college, we just spent the last four or so years in an environment where academic success was a significant part of our identities. And I think that the Imago Dei compels us to consider that our identity in God is the most fundamental aspect of who we are, not our major resume or job. And that means that we need to consider that God is actually okay with, or even, maybe even thrilled by, any way we can end up joining him in bringing shalom and flourishing to his world. This is, prim this is our primary job description as God's people. Our identities in the Imago Dei call us into a multitude of methods to serve creation. And what we have to decide is how we are going to serve creation, whether it be starting our careers, college, grad school, or any PhD program. And I hope what this idea does for you is put all the questions about the future into perspective. On one hand, you're beginning your journey and embodying the image of God and what you're doing and learning all the stuff that your major has to offer and setting out on your task, your new job is offering you to bring goodness and beauty. But on the other hand, whatever you end up doing, it's a secondary outwork of your primary identity. It's not who you are, it's a way you're serving the king. It doesn't define you because you've already been defined by the one who does. I have a feeling that we should make God's, that this should make God's people, those who really know this about themselves, the most curious and maybe even hardest workers out there in whatever they're doing, and the most willing to say, this thing doesn't define me. And that's what I hope for all of us. Wherever you end up doing, I want to encourage you not to worry if what the path you're heading on is the right one, because I would go to argue that there is no right path. Our God is a relational God, he values far more things, more important things than if you decide to follow one of your passions over the other, or but whether how you see creation and kingdom by using our talents and bring, 
but to bring flourishing and abundance to his design. Let's pray. God, I want to pray for all of us people moving into the next step of our lives, how wonderful and scary that this thing may be, that you may comfort us and know that you are with us and that our identity is defined in you, not whatever we do. Pray you give confidence to all of us moving on in our identities and our choices that may be behaving that they may bring shalom and flourishing to the, our communities around us. And I want to thank you for this community that raised and fostered these people and their faith and just being good disciples to bring, bring us to this point in our lives. Pray that you be with us all as we go forward and let us not forget where we came from and who has pointed us along the way. Thank you for this wonderful day you have given us. Thank you for the ability to just be here with you in this community. Pray all these things in your name. Amen.